Don't get man and woman confused with God. Man and woman aren't the same as God. And I say this respectfully when it comes to the standard of operating in truth. The way that God has always remained truthful. Remember my prayer earlier, right? God is not the author of confusion. Neither is he a man or woman. Just to be transparent when I have women there. That he should lie or be given to lies. Rather, he is a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? In the book of Romans, it says, let God be true. And every word for man or woman, again, just to be transparent, be a lie. Hey everyone, this is The Truth of the Matter Is. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. This is episode number 58. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we want to say that we appreciate you all for listening in today. But before we begin, let's give a round of applause to all who decided to tune in. This may be episode one in your book or episode 58 as a longtime listener. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play during your own free time. On the Truth of the Matter is podcast, it's all about studying God's word and allowing his word to shape, mold, and fashion you to have a biblical perspective on life. It gives the individual a chance for the heart and mind to change and be open to potentially be inspired through the word of God. So before we begin, let's start off with prayer. We find it helpful to pray because it's free access to God. And the experience may happen to personally or publicly help you out. That's the whole point of free access to God. You know, you can either pray personally or experience this prayer in a public location like a church or a gathering amongst your friends or amongst people in Christ. So how about we start that prayer? Oh God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, the scripture says that you are not the author of confusion. Neither are you a man that you shall lie or be given to lies. Rather, you are God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I willingly testify and believe, Lord, that you're the son the Christ, and because of your son, you have allowed many of us around the world to take heart and have confidence in you. Unlike some who have chosen to pursue fame and materialistical things over a relationship with you, Lord, they find their joy and happiness in the fast things in life where power resides, wealth and clout that can either make you or break you. The desire for territory, influencement, and dominance over others seems to be the advertisement of imperialism and the definition of what they believe is true power. Nevertheless, as followers of Christ, we understand that these are just stages, periods in history that come and go in our lifetime. 
and in the society that we're in. Ultimately, King Jesus is the one who is steadfast, the unchanging anchor who can hold our lives together. And the truth of the matter is, as long as we don't lose our hope and keep faith in the cornerstone, the builders rejected. Emmanuel, which means God with us, the Messiah, the original chosen one, Hosanna, King of Kings, Lord and Lords, the one and only forgotten son of the father, God in the flesh. I believe we will be okay. In Jesus name, all in agreement, say amen. Amen. So before we begin today's conversation, how you doing, Dane? How's how you been? I've been doing pretty good this week. It's been a very productive week. Some things are starting to get off the ground and I've been in a bit, pretty good headspace. What about you? I've been good. You know, this week has been okay. I've received better news, a lot better news than I was given last week. Thank God for mistakes, right? Not every diagnostic or opinion is accurate. And the good thing that I can say is God has put me in a position to always financially be stable. Thank God for the wisdom and the ability to save. And thank God for the ability to stay patient in the process. Sometimes when we jump to conclusions too early about things that we don't know much about, that panic sets in. But I do remember there was an episode that we did that allows us to be better set in position to, you know, never be worried, but to have concern. And I remember in that episode that we spoke about is that it's better to have concerns because it gives you the time frame and the ability to address them. So. I just thank God for what he has done so far in my life and what he has set the stage for each and every time to allow me to trust him, to believe in him. And obviously within time, I'm able to see the fruit and I'm able to see situations surely, you know, slow down and I'm able to continue to testify as to who's always in control and as long as i have my faith in him the bet is yet to come but more importantly i'm in good hands you know that's the mentality the mindset i think we ought to have not gonna say we will have it every time but stay patient relax stay calm understand who your friend is and allow time to take his course and allow God to work. So, before we begin, anything else you want to express or say? Any thoughts? Any questions? Just to add on to what uh, you said. Okay. Just remember that uh, God's timing and your timing is completely different. And remember something that uh, I heard during the week. I thought that would be pretty good to add to the podcast. It's like the thing when you're talking to God is right. God speaks all languages, right? And Mm -hmm. you speak one. So imagine 
God trying to speak to you and you can't even understand it because we speak two different languages. So you may be getting an answer to something and you may not even be aware of it because you haven't reached the level to where you can understand what is being communicated to you. So as you mentioned before, doing things in God's timing and not your timing and understanding who your friend is, allow things to take its course. And as you always say, um, trials and tribulations should be something that you rejoice in. So keep the faith and just keep on pushing and let's get into the, the message for today. Yeah, I want to add on one other thing you said. Another important thing is, remember, God is the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. God sees things on what your beginning is and what your end is. The only person that's concerned about the details is us, right? We're concerned about every minute, every second, every hour, every day, every year about what's transpiring. And God is so far ahead. He's allowing us to go through the process of things, things that seem not in our favor, things that stress us out. God is such a big God that he allows us to go through those things. But ultimately, if we trust him, we will see at a certain point, whatever that is in God's timing, we get that breakthrough. So that's the additional thing I wanted to add. And I had to learn that in my early stages of walking with Christ is that, you know, God is not concerned about some of the things that hurt our feelings or some of the things that put us at unease or some of the things that stress us out. Because he understands that that's part of the process in life. And if he were to be the superhero in every instance of every insult that somebody were to say, then how is our character ultimately being developed in that period of time? It's not. Because that means every single time someone bothers us, we tell and then God destroys them, right? But the <laughs> that's just a thought in my head. But God's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He wants us to strive in those uncomfortability circumstances. And he wants us to grow beyond the insult of words that come and go from people that are ultimately allowed to say certain things because it's putting our character and our ability to persevere. And the only way that's going to happen is you have to grow in those tests and trials. That's why we're allowed to go through them. So that's something I wanted to add. So let's get started with today's conversation. So the first order of business is I want to talk about the format, right? So the conversation will be in two parts. Hopefully it's not too long. If anything I learned last week is that we can get quite a bit of information done in a short period of time. And not everybody has a time to listen to an hour, hour plus, two, three hour conversations. And that's something that I didn't mind doing because I like diving in God's word. But I want to start putting it in a time frame where everyone can get to it. Everybody's attention span isn't long. Everybody's not completely interested in every milk and cranny of what you have to say. So I want to try to put in a period where people can hear it and then they can go on about their day and about their week. So, hopefully today, and what I have to say, it's not too long. And there's a possibility that we might have a part two, right? So, we'll hopefully be leaving you with a cliffhanger, and we'll see how things go. 
So in part one of the conversation, we're continuing in the Gospel of Luke series. And we're going to take a look at Luke 19, verses 45 through 46. Yes, only two verses. But it was these two verses that inspired me to help come up with what I think will be a fruitful and overall a decent discussion and something that we should consider as we go out throughout the week. And, you know, I think it's important that we unpack these things. I think there's something good to say. And I think and there's something beautiful about God's word is that it can wow you in a verse or two, just as much of a story or even a chapter can. And the second part of the conversation will, again, continue with Luke. And it's going to be, again, chapter 19, verses 47 through 48. And it's going to carry over into Luke 20, verses 1 through 8. Not sure if we'll get to that today, but it'll be something that we can look forward to next week. So hopefully I've been clear. And I want to begin part one. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 19, verses 45 to 46. And we're going to begin with the NIV version. Daniel. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of robbers. Okay, great job, Daniel. So the issue that I have, right, for starters, is with the translation. And the reason is that it isn't specific enough, right? If we focus on just verse 45, it says Jesus entered the temple courts and he began to drive out those who were selling. Now, my question as a reader is selling what? I think it matters, right? I don't know about you, but I'm not going into a store without knowing what they are selling, what they are offering me, unless I'm just buying time until I have an other obligation elsewhere. And I'm sure some of us have done that before, where maybe movie starts at 10, it's nine o'clock, we're going through different stores to buy time, we're looking around, we don't have any tension on purchasing some stuff, but we might, we may not, it all depends. Now, we know Jesus is upset, but the NIV just wasn't informing us enough for us to know what the people were profiting from. So let's focus on just verse 45, and now let's look at the NLT. Daniel? Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. <laughs> Now, that's much more better insight to what's going on. See the difference? Selling animals for sacrifice versus just selling. It's important that when you look at these different translations, you get to see how articulate the translations are and which translation provides more insight to what you're reading, right? So to speed up the process a bit, I went and checked the English Standard Version. It said, so, nothing more. Then I checked the NASB. Same thing, says selling, nothing more. And we don't find out much in the before and after sentences either, right? That's something I suggested. 
that when you read a translation, sometimes the before sentence or the after sentence provides a bit more insight. We didn't get that either. Now, I think we get a better understanding in studying God's word when we go through these different avenues. Now, this is something interesting, right? Let's look at the Meshes Bible, right? Now, the Meshes Bible says selling everything and anything, which means whatever you could profit off of, they were willing to sell it. Now, that's what everything and everything means, right? All the above, you know, if you ever taken a test and they look for an answer, it says all the above. Now, this is where things get interesting. And I want us to check out the Amplified version. Again, just verse 45, Daniel. Jesus went into the temple enclosure and began driving out those who were selling. Now, we get to the same word used in NIV, selling, with no specifics. But one cool add-on we do find in the Amplified is the use of the word enclosure parentheses which is an interesting use of the english language here and i explain why shortly let's just define enclosure an enclosure is something that closes you in like a pen or a cage now interesting enough when i read this definition i said a pen and then i realized you know pigs in a pen it's a cage basically right now let's look up enclosure Enclosed, but no U-R-E, just enclosed. To contain someone, something, or some space inside of something. Okay, now that's much more clear to me. And here's what I'm thinking based upon Jesus' reaction. I hope everyone is following along with me. Hold on tight because I'm going to explain some things. Jesus wants to contain space. So what got me thinking is, do I dare say the space that he wants to contain, can it very well be the church space? That's a suggestion. Could it be the church space? Now, what we find out towards the end of Luke, as well as the rest of the Gospels, and even the book of Acts, is that Jesus loved the church. He loved the church. Now, to be clear, he isn't talking about an object. He isn't talking about a thing. He's talking about what makes up the church. That would be the body of believers. Remember, the power of the church isn't the building or the temple or the thing or the object. It's the people who walk into these spaces that provide the normality, the comfort, what may be a second or first home to many, which I believe is very important. Okay, We know that Jesus loved the church so much that later on, Paul was inspired to write and suggest that men, we ought to love our wives or soon to be wise, right? All of us aren't married, but I'm sure we are aspiring to be married one day, right? So we all ought to love our wives or soon to be wives like Christ loved the church, right? So a very deliberate and intentional standard that we ought to pursue. So I asked myself something what does it mean to contain something? So in the text, in the context of the text, it means to prevent a problem from increasing in extended or intensity. So to dig deeper, extension, its meaning here is the degree to which something has spread that 
would have to be the size or scale or something. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about the uses of the space in the temple by others. And those others were those who were selling and making profit, right? They were doing these things with selfish intent, financial means. This is what Jesus was upset about. This is what was going on in verse 45, which the message Bible in the NLT did the best job of giving us the insight on what was going on. The reality was people were selling animals for sacrifice and selling everything and anything for profit. Now, I've mentioned before that the Bible is full of patterns, principles, and precepts, right? So there's a text of scripture found in the book of Jeremiah who was a prophet and God expresses a concern. Now, that concern parallels with the concern of Jesus, right? So we know this is birth. Both God communicating through Christ and communicating through Jeremiah. And there's a parallel here. There's a pattern here. And the concerns that they both had was the use of the temple and the church. And that's referenced in Luke, right? We just read 1945 through 46. But before we go there and before we look in the Old Testament text of Jeremiah, I want to go there. And I want to really dig deep about something that's been on my mind and something that's been transpiring. However, before we go there, I want to talk about the title podcast this week. And I titled it The Reason for Gathering. The reason we gather is very important. Your why is very important in life and in everything you do. The rationale, which is your set of reasons for or a logical basis for your course of action or particular belief must be known and established by you. I'll say that one more time. The rationale, which is your set of reasons or a logical basis for your course of action or a particular belief must be known and established by you. Now, if you don't know why we gather, I want to give you language to use. So the truth of the matter is, podcast believes we are in relationship with God. Over the concept of religion. I'll say that one more time. The truth of the matter is podcast believes we are in relationship with God over the concept of religion. Our basis for taking that position can be found in the first book that we read, First John. And we're gonna take a look at that text. First John chapter one. And we're gonna look at verses three to four. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So the key term in that text of scripture is fellowship. Now what is fellowship? The standard definition. The standard definition of fellowship is a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Right. So it's a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. Great job, Daniel. Now, there's nothing wrong with that definition, but I want to give you more of a biblical view of fellowship. OK, fellowship this is something that I've, you know, fashioned and created. Fellowship is a type of relationship. OK, it's a type of relationship in the context of who that will be God. Now, this is the definition that I believe suits well. Or what fellowship looks like. Fellowship is a friendship that is based on love, faith, 
trust and belief in God. That is what fellowship looks like for us in relationship with God. I'll say that one more time. Fellowship is a friendship that is based on love, faith, trust, and belief in God. That's all based upon the love that God has for us and the response we have love for God. That's the faith that we've placed in God because our whole faith is based upon our belief in his son who died on the cross for us. And trust is everything that we read scripturally and everything that we believe God has said about his existence and about what he does and why the world was created and what we stand for in our relationship with the father and the son. Okay, now remember, it was God who called Abraham his friend. They also have fellowship with one another. So everything that I'm saying, you can find scripturally. God, who had a relationship, a fellowship with Abraham, that was established because Abraham was the father of faith. And in that relationship, God called him a friend. Another scripture that I can go through is in the Gospel of John. Jesus made it clear that I no longer call you strangers, but instead I call you friends because you know my father's business. It takes it in order to be able to share or have or be, you know, around close information is to have a much more closer relationship. So Jesus made that clear to his disciples. I no longer call you strangers. Instead, I call you friends because you know my father's business. Now, this is what fellowship is in the context of more than one believer. Right. So this is the what I would call a corporate fellowship. Right. Fellowship in the context of more than one believer that makes up a body of believers have this in common. So that would be me, you, I, those around the world that have placed their faith in Christ and believe in God, right? But we may not have the closest relationship as to knowing one another, but we share something in common. This is what I believe fellowship is in that context. We share and believe in mutual cooperation in God's worship, God's work, and God's will being done in the world. I'll say this again. This is the fellowship that we share in the context of more than one believer that makes up the body of believers in the church and the body of Christ. We share and believe in mutual cooperation in God's worship, God's work, and God's will being done in the world. Okay? Why did I give you a personal definition of fellowship and a public declaration of fellowship that includes more than one believer that makes up a body? I did it because there's a big difference between what your relationship may look like, the mistakes you may make, and the decisions you come to versus what a body of believers will choose to represent and be a part of. So obviously we all have a relationship with God, right? And in that relationship is personal. And in that relationship, there's a personal struggle that you have that you don't share with everybody else. So along those lines, if it if that standard was settled in what would be considered a public fellowship, it wouldn't mix. Why? Because we all struggle with different things and therefore we can't get a line. So that's why there's a public 
declarational fellowship and there's a personal fellowship that you have with yourself and with God. Now, the reason why I gave you the public the public declarational fellowship, right? Is because in a public declarational fellowship, it's based upon what you've come together with other believers and what you're choosing to represent. Now, that can be a numerous round of things, right? That may be the whole truth. That may be the selective truth. When it comes to walking in truth, I thought this section of scripture may be helpful as a reminder. So we're going to go again to our favorite book, First John, the first book we read, the first thing we've covered. And we're going to look at verses five through seven. And I want you to listen carefully to what it means to be in fellowship with God and what the standard is. Daniel. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we are to claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Good job, Daniel. Now, I don't want anyone to ever get them confused. God is all by himself. Men and women aren't the same as God. So I have to say this respectfully. Don't have your standards of man and woman to always be truthful the way that God will remain truthful. Okay? I say that one more time. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't get man and woman confused with God. Man and woman aren't the same as God. And I say this respectfully when it comes to the standard of operating in truth, the way that God has always remained truthful. Remember my prayer earlier, right? God is not the author of confusion. Neither is he a man or woman, just to be transparent when I have women there, that he should lie or be given to lies. Rather, he is a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? In the book of Romans, it says, let God be true. And every word for man or woman, again, just to be transparent, be a lie. So I'm hope I'm clear on that because some people will blame God for the lies that are told from a believer who may be a man or a woman and think they are the best representation of God himself. No, 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 no. That's not true. Let's also throw in there some of the churches around the world. To be honest, I don't know a church that's perfect, but I'm saying please don't bash a church for the mistakes of what one man or a few men or one woman or one woman or a few women and the mistakes that they make and how they lost their way. Please remain level-headed, fair, objective about the matter. And the reason why I'm saying this and I'm putting it out there it's because I'm asking you to have fellowship with these entities, with these people. And I want you to understand the basis for that. And this is the reason why reading scriptures is extremely important. Because unfortunately, some of us, not all of us, will look at one believer and the mistake they make. And all of a sudden think that God approved it 
and therefore the one mistake that they've made that you've watched that you've seen them do you want to hold god and his ability and put him in that standard and that's not true we cannot anthropomorphize god we cannot anthropomorphize god and put him in a box that's not how we should be viewing this okay and i want to be clear on that because as human beings we make mistakes all the time and even though we are called to be representatives of Christ, this is what Paul said, ambassadors for Christ, this is what Paul said. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't find a believer doing those things in the best light all the time. And sometimes you have newfound believers that see those things and ultimately judge the situation that they're watching or viewing and then say that all believers are like that. And therefore, they blame the church. They blame the hypocrisy that's going on in those specific churches. And therefore, they think because we are associated with God, that God allowed it. And that's not true. Okay? I want to make sure that's clear. Now, here's the reason why we should gather. The importance of gathering. So now I'm pointing you in the direction of the importance of why we gather. And I'm... Again, going to connect this all back to the original text, Luke 19, 45 to 46. Just hear me out. We gather to fellowship with one another. We gather, and this is, I'm talking about the purposes of going to church on Sunday or going to church on Friday or going to church on Wednesday, right? There's prayer. There's a lot of different events going on. I want to explain to you the importance of why we gather. We gather to fellowship with one another. The truth of the matter is we can't grow. Now, all of us can grow into our full potential while being isolated. In a community, however, we build our skills. We make connections. We can have meaningful friendships, possible long-term, long-term relationships. We establish a brotherhood, a sisterhood. We gather and allow you to do and be as open as possible. That's what happens when you gather amongst believers. They make you feel comfortable in a space where you can be yourself. When you're in this space, you meet like-minded people that can help speak life into you. In that space, you open up about some of the things that bother you. That a friend who isn't a follower of Christ will maybe not be able to understand versus one who is can understand clearly. So what does that mean, right? I'll give you a perfect example. In the body of Christ, one of the things we understand from the book of James is that we shouldn't be cursing, right? No matter how stressful a situation may be or how someone has upset at us, one of the things that shouldn't be coming from our mouths is cursing. James said, in the book of James, that there are points in times where out of that mouth comes worship and praising, but from the same mouth, you have cursing. And he says, can fresh water and salt water spring from the same? Absolutely not. So if you're around a believer, okay, they can encourage you to use other selective words. But when you're around a non-believer, they will encourage you to curse up a storm because that's your way of expression 
that's your frustration. It may feel good in the moment, but sometimes when you get around them, they think that it's appropriate, it's justified, they support you in it. When you're around a believer, they might say, hey, you know, as believers, God has called us to separate and be out, to come out from among them. And part of that is the way that you act and the things that you say. Even though you're justified, it doesn't make it right. And therefore, that's the difference between having a believer as your friend and having a non-believer. It doesn't take away the connections and the things you may share. But ultimately, as we, you know, I've mentioned this verse before, in the book of Proverbs, bad behavior. No, not in the book of Proverbs. In the, in the book of Corinthians, bad behavior corrupts good company. Bad behavior corrupts good company. And some of those habits may spring up in the public spaces where if you say that you're in association with a particular group and the standard of that particular group and you're doing behavior that God doesn't stand for, that opens the door for some people to call you hypocritical. So I'm not saying get rid of your non-believable friends. I'm saying that as you grow in your walk in Christ, some of the habits you should be working through to breaking some of them, right? The longer you've been in relationship with God, right? Your heart starts to change. And when your heart starts to change, certain habits start to change. Not saying it happens overnight. Not saying that I'm holding your feet to the fire. I'm just bringing up a, an example that I'm sure we all can relate to. And I'm not saying you have to break the habit right away. I'm saying that that's the difference between having followers of Christ around you, people in a body around you, and they're there to help encourage you, motivate you, call you out on some things that people who haven't declared as Christ as lordship over their life may not do. Okay, so back to the reason for fellowshipping, the reason for gathering. Another thing is you have time to pray for one another. You have time to worship with one another. You have time to be mutually encouraged by one another. That's in the book of Romans. Right? When we gather in the house of the Lord, it doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the cultural background. It doesn't matter the skin complexion. It doesn't matter the gender. You can be either gentle or Jew. It doesn't matter the occupation. We come together because we share something in common. We accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we come to praise God, right? We come to pray for our nation. We come to pray for our family and friends, our associates, okay? We come to also pray for ourselves while admitting that every time throughout the week, we go through a lot of stuff. So some renewal. Our spirits and our hearts are needed. Right? And ultimately, that's part of the renewal of church. That's part of the process. Now, I don't know how many of us have been in the sanctuary and have been there with other believers. It's an astonishing feeling, something that you can't get alone. Now, I've praised and worshiped all the time. I used to praise and worship when I go to work. And I have my gospel music playing. But the atmosphere, right? The way the Holy Spirit is present 
in the atmosphere. It puts you in a completely different headspace when you're fellowshipping with one another. Those are some of the important things that you do. Now, I'm not talking about showing up when the pastor shows up. I'm talking about going through the whole process. You do your praise and worship music, the tithes and offerings, all the process there. It puts you in a different headspace. And as being a part of other believers and fellowshipping, that's a very important element of growing in your faith with Christ. Now, that's the challenges that we face in society. We go through a lot of different things and we need to be renewed. We need to restart. And those are some of the things that you may be missing when you don't get the opportunity to fellowship with other believers. Now, let's check out the text I mentioned in the book of Jeremiah that correlates with Luke 19.46, right? So I'm going to have Danny read Jeremiah chapter 7. We're going to go verses 1 through 11. I want you to pick up on the difference. Listen carefully to what we, you know what we read in Luke 19.45-46, right? Now I want you to see a very drastic difference in what was transpiring, I want to say years prior before Christ came through as a baby. Okay. So Dan, read Jeremiah 7, 1 through 11, please. This is the world that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judea who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusted in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to bow and follow other gods you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name and say we are safe safe to do all these detestable things has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you but i have been watching declares the lord so as you see different time period in history different tone god is calling out the behavior and choices made by the people which angered him also but you see god with a willingness to warn them of those actions and ask them to reform their ways. Now, to reform, it means to make changes. In other ways, he's not asking to repent, but he's asking repentance is nothing but turn away from the things that you're doing. Now, God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and is requesting that they be much more justly to one another, to not oppress the foreigner. Or the fatherless, right? Don't shed innocent blood. Still, murder, commit adultery, 
worship other gods and or sacrifices to other gods. The reason why this is now I'm going back to Luke. The reason why Jesus is quoting this text from Jeremiah is because just like last week, he's not doing away with the prophets. Right. He's fulfilling their prophecy while also shedding light and drawing attention to similar issues that are transpiring. This is, again, the reason why I had to read First John, because there's a standard when you enter in God's temple and some of these acts, some of these things that were going on. God was aware he's been watching. He's been keeping an eye on this. Now. Let's take a look. At one more other thing, right? And that is. When it comes to Christ and it comes to his standard, remember. In the Old Testament, these things were transpiring. And for histrionic purposes. What we see is. God understanding his relationship with his own people. We see that he he makes the he makes a decision to allow some of it. And why does some of this allowed? It's for us now who read some of these things to see that God's mercy, but to see also God in the context of something he doesn't appropriate, he doesn't approve. However, we're seeing the mercy of God by also while also seeing the justice of God. Right. And when we see what Jesus is doing. Jesus is raising the standard. So I think sometimes we get it mixed up. The Old Testament, we saw the behavior of, of some of the people and the decisions that were made. Of course, justice had to arrive. That's what God is. God's full of justice. But what we also see is we see a point in which God said is enough, while also calling to action what can't be tolerated. So, in my opinion, when Jesus showed up, what does Jesus do? Jesus reminds them of what they heard, and then he raises the standard. Now, looks like we'll have to have a part two, because there's more to address here. But I'm going to close with this. Okay, we know that Jesus cares about all people, whether they belong to the church or not. Right. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He fed five thousand or four thousand. And in any of those miracles, I wouldn't say all of them to this day or at that period of time once Christ left. Believed. In fact, I don't recall him asking them or if they had faith, if they believed. Yes, the woman who was bleeding, her faith made her whole. Yes, the man that couldn't see his belief allowed him to see. And then when he finally interacted with Jesus, he worshipped him, right? The point is Jesus knew what the future held and understood the significance of the Bible and what the power of that message held holds for people who have faith and belief. So for him, this is going back to the context of Luke 14, Luke 19, 45 through 46. So when you see Jesus, right, who shows up and see what's going on in the church space, I can understand why he's upset. Right. 
He's upset for numerous reasons, right? And that is to see the church space being used for, for, for financial matters and not the development of the message and the mind of the believer. He had every right to be upset and therefore made it his business in verses 47 through 48 to be present, which is what we, what we will talk about next week. And more on the truth of the matter is and the reason for the gathering, the reason and the purposes for the gathering. So let me give you a sum up of everything that we've done so far before Daniel goes to devotion. I point to you that Jesus went into the temple in Luke 19, 45 to 46, and he sees things going on financially, people reaping financial benefits. Right after that, you see that Jesus is not too happy with that. Then I spoke to you about the purpose and the importance of gathering because I want you to see the value and the points that Jesus has and finds in the church. Because, again, the church is not a not solely just about a building it's about the people that's in it, but also understanding that we're people that represent him and represent God is important that we understand that we have fellowship with God and in that fellowship. There's a certain standard in how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to hate. Then we took down a little, we went down a little memory lane and I pointing you to the text that Jesus is referencing about the church not being a house of dens and thieves, right? Because that's some of the things that were transpiring that God alluded to. And he wanted to let them know that if you want to live and stay in the temple, those are certain things that can't be done while also claiming that you're in fellowship with him, while also claiming that you're going to worship and be a part of the church. There's a certain standard in how we live. So in one instance, what I want you to see is that there's a standard that we're supposed to uphold as believers, but that I want you to also understand the value that Jesus has about us and the way we represent him. But more importantly, the importance of why we, we should be gathering. And I want you to see personally what can transpire and happen while gathering. Valuing the element of gathering allows you to see what you may be missing. And I didn't put out there that, yeah, you can grow in isolation. That's true. But so much value can be obtained by being around believers, right? One other thing is Jesus said there will come a time that we must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? And one of those things that align with that is really appreciating the value of how much a believer can mutually encourage you and be there with you by your side. And I just want people to understand that. And I'm going to touch on a lot more next week because some of the things that I'm seeing is that there are entities separating. There are people starting their own thing and believing that that's the only form of worship and praise that they should be had given. And I want people to know that this podcast is in support of every church out there. We don't want to replace your church, but what we want to do is you want to be used as godly content along with your church home. We want to be a support to whatever church that you're in. And we just want to expand your desire to study God's word in more depth 
and get better understanding so that we don't become ignorant Christians, but that we become Christians that God can use as his instrumental righteousness. And we want to stand by the church. Okay? So, before then you go through any devotion, is there anything you want to add? Because I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to extending this part to next week so I can get a little bit more depth. And then jumping into Luke 20. No, I have nothing to add. Okay. So with that said, again, this is part one. And we'll be going into part two of next week. So with that being said, then you have the floor for devotion. You receive the Holy Spirit into your heart when you put your faith in Jesus. Many people are interested in what the Spirit can do for them, but they over they often overlook one of his chief purposes to bring Christians into unity. In the book of Acts, which I remember quite clearly, in verse 31 to 32 in chapter 4, it says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. All the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. So although we're individual members, we are all one in Christ Jesus. We all share in the communion of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who dwells in your heart also dwells in the hearts of other believers. And he loves each of them as much as he loves you. This is why Christians are to love one another sincerely and why the members should have the same care for one another. You are to look out for them just like you would a brother or a sister because that is exactly what they are to you. We say this small prayer to help you throughout the week. God, help me to give thought to how I can show your love to other members of the body of Christ, honor them, and do good by them, and also how I can bring other people into the fellowship that may not be a believer as well. Allow me to represent you and your beliefs and all that I do. In your holy name we say, Amen. Amen.